Hey everyone, it's the Lady J. Thanks for tuning in once again to my podcast, I Never Told You What I Do for a Living. Today's conversation is with an incredible, inspiring, and encouraging person named B. B graciously agreed to quickly come on this podcast after I tagged her in a post on Twitter, and I really appreciate the fact that she was willing to have such an open and honest conversation about all of the amazing things that she does. She's a photographer, she's a performer, she's a model, and the conversation that we have, she is so open about all of the choices that she has made in her career. It was amazing. I can't wait for you all to hear it. Also, I decided to try something a little different with this episode. So every time we sort of change topics, you'll hear different sounds. It's just something new. I'm warning you. So if you hear a sound that doesn't seem to be part of the conversation, nothing strange is happening. It was a choice that I made. You can tell me afterwards what you thought of it. That's fine. I love input. I'll take any of your your constructive criticism. Anyway, I don't want to delay. Go into this with an open mind. I loved this conversation. I think you will too. This is episode 10 of I Never Told You What I Do For A Living with B. The chameleon. What is your earliest memory of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, from a very young age, I wanted to be a singer because that's what my mum did. Before I was born, my mum was in a band and she used to travel around Europe going to all like the army camps and singing for all the, all the soldiers people and I just really wanted to be like my mum. I wanted to be a singer and be a travelling artist and be famous and wonderful and that did not happen. <laughs> did you take singing classes or sing in a, a group or anything when you were younger? No, I am. Um, I never had any classes or anything like that. I did. Ha- I was involved in some drama schools when I was little and I loved that. And that kind of, that kind of took me towards wanting to act. Pretty much every job I've ever had has been in the sort of creative field. I've always wanted to be some sort of creative, but I never had any sort of singing lessons. And unfortunately where I'm from, I'm from the North Lancashire in England and we all tend to be quite sarcastic and I come from a family of people that tend to take the piss out of each other but not stop until someone's really offended which is not fun and I remember being really really young and saying to an uncle I'm gonna be a famous singer and he kind of looked down at me and laughed and was like you you can't sing so (laughs) that's like the first moment I remember like sinking in on myself and thinking, oh, maybe I can't, maybe I can't be a singer. Maybe that's not something that I should do. So I sort of, I sort of let that dream slide and went a little bit into acting. But this is only when I was very, very young and going to like amateur acting schools. So it was never really something that I envisioned could be an actual career for me. It was always sort of, that's a nice hobby, but what you're actually going to do for a job. Did you feel pressure from people in your life to pick something, just anything, if it wasn't going to be singing? I never felt like pressured to choose a particular job, which is wonderful. Um, my mum's quite good in that she's always been sort of, do what you want to do. And she's been very sort of supportive no matter what job 
I chose to do because she kind of knows she's either supportive or she's not a part of it. (laughs) But I never felt any sort of pressure to pick a normal job. It was always just sort of whatever I ended up doing, people would be happy for me to do as long as it was at a distance kind of thing. So I know the education system in the UK is a little different than it is here. So how how far did you go in school? Um, so I completed primary school and high school. And I went to like half year of sixth form, which in the UK is like college, but it's attached to the high school. And I very quickly realized that going on to education attached to a high school is not for me at all. I really didn't enjoy it. I kind of hated school because... Even though I was in like the top classes for everything and I was quite a well-spoken and well-rounded education-wise child, I just really didn't enjoy being in a classroom full of other people and kind of felt like I was being forced to learn. So I always just really did not enjoy school at all. Um, So I left college I was at to work at the shop that I did my work experience for, um, which was a piercing and tattooing shop, because as I moved away from acting and singing I fell in love with art and I wanted to be a tattoo artist and the way to segue into that was to become a piercing apprentice which I did and it was wonderful and I loved that so that was great and I worked there from the age of like 15 to 18 or 19 ish so I'm a trained body piercer and that was fun. It does sound really cool to work in a piercing and tattoo shop because I, as someone who has a lot of tattoos, I think body modification is really beautiful. And I'm sure getting to give people an aesthetic that they're looking for is a pretty great experience. Yeah, I, that was like my favorite part of the job is when someone would come in and they were really unhappy about a part of their body. One of the first um, navel piercings that I did, which is a belly button, um, was on a lady that had recently had a child and she came in and was all... I'm going to reclaim my body and I'm going to get my belly button pierced. And I was like, yes, I'm so happy that I get to be a part of this journey. This is wonderful. And I loved that part of the job, making people feel sparkly and nice and pretty. And it was great. (laughs) How long did you do that for? So in the UK, we have work experience, which is where kids in their like last year of school get sent to a business of their choice to basically experience work for two weeks. Um, So... From the age of 15, I was like the Saturday girl there, just like basically the start of any apprenticeship, as it should be, cleaning the shop from top to bottom and standing quietly and watching and listening. And then when I was 16, I was allowed to start piercing. And I think I left that shop when I was 19 or so to go and manage a studio in London, which I loved. But it turned out that the studio that I was working for wasn't entirely above board so I wasn't there for very long when I realized that they um weren't really certified by the local council which was not good for me as a 19 year old girl who just moved from the north of England to London which where I'm from is like a big thing like people go to London for a weekend's holiday and I was moving there because I was young and cool. So was London what attracted you to the position or was it like I wanted to manage something and something happened to come up in in London and it was kind of a bit of both really I really wanted to a part of the reason that I left the first piercing studio that I trained in was because I 
was constantly looking to kind of upgrade and say to them, why don't we get a bigger shop and kind of just expand the business. And they were very much not wanting to do that. So I've known from a young age that I've always been very driven and wanted to strive to do even better in each job that I'm at. So when I wanted to manage a shop and it happened to be in London, this place came up. And by this point, I was already modelling a little bit. So I knew that if I moved there, I could continue with modelling a bit more and manage a piercing and tattoo studio, which was something that I really wanted to do. Plus, it meant that I was moving all the way from the north, which, as said, isn't something that people where I'm from really do. So that was very exciting and scary, but I was mostly just excited to get away from the north. So for anybody who has seen a photograph of you, you are also a heavily tattooed individual. I am. Did you, were you interested in tattoos before you started working in tattoos and piercings or did you like kind of catch the itch from working there? When I was in high school and I got into art and I really started researching the history of tattooing, I just sort of fell in love with the idea of marking the body with something that really meant something to you. And then the more that I fell in love with just getting tattoos the less and less it actually had to mean something so working in the industry was wonderful because I really really loved the idea of tattooing anyway and then when I was working in there it gave me the opportunity to just cover my body in tattoos and piercings and thankfully get a bit of a discount so at a young age I was able to get more tattoos than the average people my age. What would you say the percentages of the tattoos that you have that are like deeply meaningful to you versus just something oh gosh I think to be fair to be fair the majority of them are quite meaningful like the first tattoo that I ever got was um a portrait of my mum on my forearm so you know she's my mum so that means a little bit and I have on the opposite side a microphone because even though when I was younger my confidence was completely smashed the idea of singing is still very much part of my brain um I'm like I have like um a Studio Ghibli tattoo that I have matching with my friend Lucy because we both fell in love with the film Spirited Away. So I have little little tokens like that. Um, and then tattoos, like I have the um, original 1964 Adams Family on my hands. I've got Morticia and Gomez simply because I love their relationship. I think they are wonderful humans. Um, and I'm a little bit of a hopeless romantic, which is what my knuckles say. So yeah. Not all of my tattoos have meaning behind them, but a lot of them oddly do. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just asking for me because I have lots of meaningful tattoos and I'm going to get my first tattoo that's just from someone whose art I really enjoy that isn't necessarily meaningful to me. Be- you know, I didn't like design it for to represent a specific thing but the person who has tattooed me the most once said to me like let other people tattoo you so that you carry their art around and I was like oh I never I never I just know that you you'll do what I want you to do that's why I keep coming back and he's very talented but also like oh yeah sometimes you have to go a little bit outside of your comfort zone in order to have art that is just incredibly beautiful but you really don't have anything to do with the conceptualization of it absolutely I think that does sort of that's when the shift starts 
to go from you wanting to really express who you are on your body to tattoo collecting where as you said you're finding an artist you really really like and you really like their artwork and you want a piece of their art on you which is really really lovely and it's still self-expression but it's also look at this amazing artist and I have this on me forever yay it's like buying someone's art and hanging it in your house it's just like you said it's on you forever yeah get to carry that around with you and I know that I suppose that does kind of suck if you grossly dislike the artwork but I suppose that's the um that's the thing with tattooing and piercing once it's there it's kind of it's kind of there got to make sure you like it so you said you got into modeling before you went to london yes i did so i started my first photo shoot was for a friend who just needed someone to come and model for her college degree thing that she was doing photography and she uploaded photos of me to a website called purple port which is like an online portfolio and photographers got in touch with her and asked if they could have the model's details. And I was all, oh my god, people want to take photos of me. This is so cool. Oh wow. Oh, wonderful. So I dabbled in it a little bit and I really, really enjoyed it. But I always had just very, I lacked in confidence massively. So modelling was kind of like a slow starter for me until I got to London. And then the amount of people who wanted to work with me just skyrocketed. And that's really when my career took off. And it didn't really matter that I didn't want to work in the studio that I was working anymore because I could quite happily earn enough money through modelling, which was wonderful. Even though that isn't where my self-employed journey comes in, because after leaving the studio in London, I moved back up north and back in with my mum because I needed to save money. And I ended up working as a retail human working for Anne Summers and that's really where I got started in the sex industry. Okay so for people who don't live in the UK you have to explain what Anne Summers is because I did not know until (laughs) very recently and I was like oh okay because it sounds like a golden girl (laughs) like she sounds like maybe a middle-aged or you know elderly sort of woman and then I googled it and I was like oh no. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but no. Okay, good to know. Good, yeah, good. So, Anne Summers is a store in the UK. I think it's a couple in Europe. Maybe, could be wrong there. Mainly in the UK. Um, that is a lingerie and sex toy shop. And it's one of the biggest that we have in the UK. I'd probably say it is the biggest. And it's kind of where young couples will go to buy their first sex toys together. And it's really cute. And the amount of young couples that I got in when I was working there was adorable having to explain to a guy how to pleasure his girlfriend with the vibrator and his face just like not knowing where to look but really wanted to learn quite adorable so Anne Summers sounds like it's a very PC shop but it most definitely is not so when you went to work there do they give you lots of education or is it kind of like, oh, I had better take this out of the box and figure out how it works so I can explain <laughs> it to someone? Kind no, of. you're definitely taught what each thing is and what it does. When I when I first started working there, I was actually given like a massive manual with every single product in from all the lingerie to every single sex toy. And you are sort of expected to learn the ins and outs of what each thing does. And you're trained on how to speak to a new customer and how to speak to a returning customer how to show a customer how a particular toy works, telling them every little thing about it. Um, and you are given a lot of education in 
basically a pleasure, which is wonderful. So I did learn a lot while working there as well, which came in handy in later life. Um, It also sounds like a place because I think maybe it's just because of the age that I am. There were a lot of places that sold sex toys that I was aware of, like after I was 18, that you could go into that weren't, I was not necessarily their target demographic being a woman. And so going into those places made me feel uncomfortable just because of the fact that I clearly was not, not that I wasn't welcome there, but like I was not their, their intended customer. So when I showed up, it would be like, uh, you know, we, we, we don't even know how to talk to you. So it sounds more like this is a kind of a place where you understand how to talk to lots of different people. Yeah, absolutely. And Ansem is definitely is aimed more towards a female demographic, which is brilliant for me as a female. I quite enjoy it. But it's wonderful how um, just open they are to anyone coming in of any sort of sexual preference, orientation, anyone coming in. We are sort of, I mean, we're not trained for each particular person, but you do have to have quite the nice personality where you're open to talking to anybody to work there which was very very helpful and it working there definitely brought me out of my own shell as well which was really really good and I I did learn quite a lot working there thinking about it which is good oh I'm sort of like looking back on my time working at Ann Summers in a totally different light now it taught me so much oh how long did you work there uh, I think I worked there no more than two years no more than two years um because that's when I got into um webcam work on a website called my free cams that I loved and I sort of I'd researched the website and camming for about a year before I left Ann Summers I was on tumblr and I found a model called Ash Marie and she was a lovely lovely lady who offered me a lot of advice as well and I actually spent about a year researching the job and what exactly was expected and how each girl's different and how they bring a different thing to the cam to the cam to their camera and um I sort of learned what I liked that models did and what I was prepared to do and what I wasn't prepared to do so I knew going into it that I didn't want to do masturbation or open leg sort of stuff because I was never confident with how my labia looks but going into a field where there's so many different kinds of people and so many people with open minds and willing to educate being in the sex industry has helped me love myself so much more and especially coming from um as previously mentioned the sort of place where I wasn't in a headspace to be confident enough to share a talent that I felt that I had I'd always had my confidence knocked when I was younger so coming into the into an industry where you're expected not expected but you're looked at to share your body and and your mind in every way it not only kind of gave me confidence in myself and in my body, but it made me want to help other people be confident as well. So there's so much that work in the sex industry has given me and helped me give to other people. And I feel like that was a very direct little lineage over into the sex industry there. I've had so many different jobs. It's hard to sort of keep a a track in my head that makes sense because I've done so many different things. (laughs)
I feel like we might be missing a line between Ann Summers and cam work because it isn't necessarily like, oh, well, the next step, obviously, from what this one job is to this other job. So did is this something that someone mentioned to you? Is this something that you were just experiencing from from as a viewer and thought like, oh, I could do that? Like, how did you... Obviously, you said you spent a, about a year researching it. Like, what what turned you on to this being something you might want to do? Yeah, well, it was, I think, I came across Ashmarie on Tumblr, as I said, completely by accident. And it just so happened to fit in with me working at Anne Summers. And I think maybe a couple of weeks after finding this world of porn online, uh, a lady came in with her pet into Anne Summers and he was on a leash and everything and he had to sit by the desk while she went and picked out what she wanted to buy, brought it to the desk and then he was allowed to stand and had to ask permission to pay for it all and she said yes you can pay and he paid and then sat back down on the floor and I was just so bewildered but amazed by the power that this woman had and I just kind of looked at her and she looked at me and was like you want to ask me a question, you can if you want. And I was just saying, how, yo, how have you done this? What's going on? Is this your job? Is he down there? Are these questions okay? And at this point, I'm still 19. So I'm very much like, oh my gosh, I want to know everything about it. So she explained to me that she was a dominatrix and he was her pet and she was coming on a shopping trip and kind of got talking to that. And she actually came back into the shop a few times just to have conversations with me, which was lovely. And she kind of taught me a lot about the world of dominatrices. And when I mentioned to her that I'd found a cam girl online, she immediately was saying, oh, you'd be brilliant for cam work. Sarah, her name was Sarah. I remember it just came back to me. But yes, she was saying how she thought that cam work would be wonderful for me. And at this point, I'd already been sort of looking into it, but not really known. And it was very much working in a shop that basically you sell sex toys to everybody from someone coming in to buy their first toy to someone coming in to buy toys because it's their job. It really taught me a lot about the different aspects of the industry that I was working in. And obviously working in retail and Anne Summers is sex work. It's working within the sex industry. But I hadn't quite realised how many different facets to the industry there is. So, and you were still doing like photography modelling at the same time? Yes, I was still doing, I wasn't taking it as seriously as I would do later on in life. But I was still doing bits and bobs of um, photography and I really wanted to... Oh, of course. So, there's a magazine in the UK called Front Magazine. I say in the UK. It's now, sadly, no longer with us. Um, and I loved that magazine. That magazine was very much sort of where you'd find the page three models that weren't page three. They were the alternative girls and there'd be a girl on the front cover and she'd be naked and so comfortable with herself and beautiful. And I used to look at this magazine and think, oh... I want to be in that magazine. I want to be on the cover of that magazine because that looks amazing. So I was doing bits and bobs of modelling, aiming for that but not really knowing how to get into it and just sort of kind of meandering around the place, not really knowing where to go in the modelling industry in the slightest. So I turned to camming before I got into modelling properly simply because I was able to accidentally get some sort of education in the camming world. And through camming, I then met other models. And because I was gaining a little bit of a following, photographers started looking at my profiles and really wanted to work with me more than they had in the past because I hadn't really got much of a portfolio. I really sort of 
when it comes to modeling, I did sort of kind of fall backwards into it and ended up being quite successful, which I'm very grateful for. But it isn't something that I really strive to do. It was something that accidentally really took off, which was wonderful. But I really wanted to be involved in coming and that went really, really well. But unfortunately, the partner that I was with at the time decided that they were uncomfortable with me doing it. So after about a month of loving coming and it being amazing, it was asked that I stop. And I did because I was an idiot and I was a kid and thought, I'm in love and he's wonderful and he doesn't want to be showing off my body. He wants it for himself. And that makes sense, which was silly at the time. And it's silly now. But I learned. I learned. I moved on and learned. So how... Okay, so there's a there's clearly some there's going to be some kind of gap here, right? If you stop doing it, and then what were you doing? Had you left Ann Summers at that point? That was yes, yeah, so I'd left Ann Summers at that point. This my life story is so jumpy. Honestly, I can't. This is what I mean when I say I don't have a single track to anything because I've done so much in so many different capacities at different times in my life. Oh, terrible. No. Hang on, I'm going to cut you off for a second, because I think regardless of what kind of industries people are in, this is a very common thing. This is conversation number like 10 or 11 that I've had with people. And regardless of whether you're in entertainment or you're in, I don't know, uh, marketing or you're in library science, like most people don't have a straight and narrow path. They jump in and out of things. They leave one industry and then go back to it. Like it's, it's very common. And I think it's also how people become successful because when you leave an industry and try something else, you obtain skills that you probably wouldn't have, you wouldn't have learned naturally in what you were doing before, but then they become useful to you when you go back to it. So I don't think it's terrible. I think it's wonderful. Continue. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean for that to sound like I was giving you a lecture. That's incredibly rude. But no, that was that was like a that was a power speech. That was wonderful. That that bigged me up to live my life. Oh, so good. You're awesome. Keep jumping around. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh my god. Oh, well, yes. So yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so my life. Yeah. Cool. So I've left. I've left Dan Summers at this point. I've. I decided after a year of research, I'm going to jump headfirst into camming. I had a point, a pointer. I had a partner at this point and had discussed with him what I wanted to do. And he was cool with it. A month into it, he said, I don't like this anymore. My friends down the pub have said that they've seen your boobs on the internet. And I was all, well, yeah, if they Google me, that's probably what they'll find. My boobs on the internet, because I put them there. And then he expressed that he wasn't comfortable with it. So I stopped camming, which really hurt my heart and I didn't realize how much I enjoyed the freedom that coming gave me and the confidence that coming gave me until I stopped doing it so when I stopped coming I started working as a cleaner so I went from a really empowered like I love my body and I'm showing it to the world and this is great and I'm having so much confidence to having to wear overalls and be quiet and seen and not heard and go and clean toilets and you know what it taught me discipline and it taught me how to properly scour a bog bowl so I'm grateful for it but yeah that was an interesting time in my life I also lost a lot of weight while I was working there because I was lifting up heavy buckets full of water mops all the time so that also 
toned my body up a little. So it's not all bad being a cleaner. It's good. It's good fun. I, I think it's also pretty amazing that when you were like, I need a job to, you know, get money, that you weren't just like, I'm going to work in a car. You know, there's a lot of things that people automatically think of as like backup jobs. And probably being a cleaner is not necessarily on that list. But you were like, nope, I'm not afraid of hard labor. Let's do it. Thank you. Yeah, not not at all. Although I got the job because my mum had worked as a cleaner when I was a bit younger. When she stopped singing, she's a single mum. So it was just us two against the world. So she had to do what she had to do in order to get by. And when I was around six or seven, she got a job as a cleaner because singing wasn't happening anymore. So I sort of, I've grown up thinking that that isn't that sort of work isn't anything to shy away from. And it pays. It's hard work. You get the job done. You come home, and it's good. So I've grown up with that being an absolutely viable option to do. But hard labour, I like the way you said it. I ain't afraid of that shit. Oh no, let's do it. Let's do some hard labour. Yeah, let's get some shoulder muscles. That's, mm. that's going to be the sound bite for the record. <laughs> you can take it. There'll be a few. I'm very sorry. But it, what's funny though is that anybody who might know you already might hear that and be like, oh, she's doing some sort of like sexy thing. And then they'll listen to the podcast and be like, oh, no, that that wasn't the that's not. Okay. Nope. Good. She's scrubbing toilets. <laughs> <laughs> Which might be sexy. I don't know. It depends on how you do it, I guess. You know, there's, a, there's a fetish for everything, dude. People are I, into everything. Um, I have the internet, so I'm I'm aware. Uh, yeah. So how long were you a cleaner for? I was a cleaner. Oh my gosh, how long was I a cleaner for? So this is when I had pretty much like a shaved head and a blonde fringe. So I will have been... You had a shaved head and a blonde fringe? Yo, just like jobs, my hairstyle has been wild. But I feel like thinking about like the timeline of things, I met my now partner when I was just under 21. So all of these, like the the massive like range of jobs that I have really happened between the ages of 17 and 20, which doesn't seem that long for all of these jobs and skills to have been acquired. But it really was that short an amount of time. Wow, when I was that age, that felt like forever. Holy shit. So if someone were to go to your Instagram account right now, your bio lists the following three things in this order. Model, performer, creative. Why do you use those three words and why do you use them in that order? Well, I use those three words because model is very obvious. That's what I do. That is my main bag. That's where my main money comes from. And I love it. Performer comes second because a little part of me still has that confidence issue. Even though it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be, that that little niggle in the back of my brain is still sort of saying you're not really a performer and by performer I mean burlesque which is what I tend to do at the moment I would love to get into singing and acting at some point in my life and hopefully within the next year or so singing will be happening but at the moment performer covers burlesque because I love doing that I do a little bit of fire performance as well so that's very very fun and I was taken to a class with my friend Rebecca Crow who is a world-renowned performer Love that woman. She is great. 
and creative because, as mentioned previously, pretty much everything I do is of a creative sort of flow. So as well as doing all the things I've previously done, I've also had, even though it's shut down now, I have had a art shop where I've sold original paintings and prints of my paintings and done sketches and drawings for people and things like that, which is fun. And I do a lot of graphic design for other sex workers to help them get their websites up and running with like fun, funky edits. And I'm also a photographer and a videographer for people. Just There's just a lot of strings to this bow. It's just, it's just too many, actually. I've got too many instruments. I mean, is there something, I mean, obviously modeling is a huge part of what you do and anybody who encounters your online presence, that's a lot of what you might see. But is there another aspect of those other things that you mentioned, like burlesque or or photography, that's like your like your baby, like the second thing that's always in the back of your mind that you want to expand on? Or is it the, the performance side that you're like, this is the thing I want to water and make it grow? Oh my gosh, that is such a beautiful way of phrasing things. I love when things are phrased like plants. Anything to do with plants just makes me really happy or flowers. But yes, I mean, I would love to give sun and water to performance more. I'd love to do that. But my baby at the moment is photography. I I love photography. I mean, one of my issues is that I can't not do anything I think of, if that makes sense. Like my partner it will constantly be receiving messages from me saying, I'm going to write a book. And they're like, okay, write the book. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to start it. And then the week after I'll message them and say, I've decided I'm going to write a female-led comedy and it's going to be me and my friends and I'm going to cast you in it. And he's like, okay, cool. We'll get it written. And then I'll call him the week after and say, I've written a play. I've got no idea how to do it, but it's just featuring me and it's an hour long and I've already written it and it's great. So I do tend to kind of get lost on each part of the job each part of every job that I just create myself because I don't work enough apparently but photography for me is just I love it I love capturing especially my friends being fortunate to have a lot of friends that are models who are all just gorgeous being able to capture little moments of their life and just preserve it forever just makes me so happy inside do you think that the photographer side of you is influenced by your experience as a model because I imagine that when you were becoming a model a lot of the people who probably reached out to you I'm gonna guess were men yes absolutely so to be a female photographer and that's probably a very different I mean have you been photographed by women before yes I've shot with I think maybe in my entire career maybe two or three female photographers and it genuinely is a completely different feeling and situation. Um, unfortunately, I believe all models at some point have like a horror story of showing up to a photo shoot and the photographer either propositioning you or not letting you leave or saying that after the photographs have been taken, he wants paying but in sexual favours. So I feel like every model has had some sort of horror story. But with female photographers it adds a whole new level of feeling safe. And that's something that I really love being able to give to models that work with me. You're safe. (laughs) I also feel like if anybody explores your online presence that spreading some, some kind of positivity, like almost every day is a big part of your, your persona. 
not just like I, I don't mean that as like a, a a false thing or a character, but just like who you are comes with like and like I loved your your tweet today about like and what nice thing are you going to do for people today? And I was like, all right, I'm gonna pet this dog that's been sitting outside this coffee shop for a little too long for how cold it is. Oh, that dog probably really appreciated as well. Oh. It was so soft, too. Oh, my God. It was so great for both of us, I think. Stranger <laughs> dogs are always the softest. It's weird. I think because they're not yours, it's just like, oh, this dog is extra soft. Mm-mm. But, yes, positivity. I try my very best to, yeah, it's actually all a fake lie. I am an absolute miserable cunt in real life. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much known among my friends as being a very sarcastic human who may accidentally come across as a bit cold at first, but it's because I have so much love to give. I have to be very careful about the energy that I spread around the world because I give my absolute all to everything. And if I meet someone that's a little bit like they they don't really deserve all of my positive energy, I might end up being completely drained by this person. So I've learned to spread my positivity online as much as possible. And then in real life, to be like a little bit more cautious with who I give all my energy and time to because my I'm very very proud of the fact that I'm a all or nothing friend and if you are my friend you have all of my love and support in the world and it's wonderful but online I'm very much everybody can have all the positivity ever if I have an extra moment to spare I will be messaging people I did um a post today on Instagram because I had about an hour or so where I had an hour free So I thought, okay, I'm going to do a story and I popped a story up saying, hello, how are you feeling today? And had a few really, really nice conversations with people that weren't really having the best day. And if I've got an hour and someone's not having a great time and I can spend that hour hopefully making them feel a bit better, that is an hour well bloody spent. Well spent. And part of the reason why you are able to connect with strange people on the internet is because of all the the other amazing things that you do like you've you've become part of a community and you've a community that I think a lot of people have some preconceived notions about who those people might be what their their intentions are like I think the fact that you bring positivity to it helps other people who might be on like the fringe looking in thinking oh this community is actually pretty lovely that's not what I thought it was going to be at all yes I must agree I must agree I think it is very it's very positive and I really enjoy when someone who has no idea what I do for a living gets to know me and then when they we finally get into the conversation of so what is it that you actually do apart from a million things on Instagram and then I say oh well I'm a sex worker and it's sort of I really enjoy when it's a person that has clearly had some judgment for people who work in the sex industry before them to then sort of sit back and think, oh, wow, I really like this person who seems like a well-rounded individual who doesn't seem pressured into this job and doesn't seem like a money-grabbing butthole. It's really nice to just sort of solidify in their minds, yep, it's just a job and normal people and happy people can work in it too. And believe it or not, the majority of the sex industry is full of very supportive, open-minded people who are so there for each other. You know, in every community, there's always some dickheads, but the majority of people in the sex work community 
are so judgment free and open to helping anyone and I really want more of the world to see that side of sex work rather than they're all trafficked and we all need to save them and rescue them because no one could possibly want to do that job. Well yeah they could and the money's pretty good as well. One of the other things I think is pretty great if people check out your your online um, like your social channels and stuff is that they'll also see there are a lot you're sort of part of a a group of other women or I don't know if they're all necessarily using the term women female identifying maybe yes just empowered people who all seem to really love each other a lot and are all sex workers and that is also incredibly empowering because there's just so much there's camaraderie there's friendship because I think people also have a lot of preconceived notions about friendships between women and that it's catty and backstabby and things like that. And it's like in an industry like this, where there's a lot of potential vulnerability, that's just not a, it can't be a thing. You have to be comfortable with each other. So yeah, of course, like your friends, you, you know, might bicker with them or whatever like that. But like the, the positivity between all of you is also a pretty amazing thing. Yeah, it is. It is wonderful. And it definitely the rise of social media has absolutely helped with that because like all groups of people as said there are going to be some dickheads and unfortunately the sex industry previously especially the porn industry has been completely run by men and it is sort of encouraged that girls don't make friends with each other because then we might start demanding better pay and pretty much everything else that comes with any other normal job like healthcare and dental and all that sort of stuff which is something that sex workers are fighting for. Yes, we are we are deserving of rights. But anyway, that's a different conversation. But yes, so it's really wonderful that within this industry, you might have found in the past going to strip clubs that girls really have to fight for clients coming in and it does cause arguments because every single girl wants to have the next guy that comes in be a client. They want to earn money that night. But with the rise of social media and websites like OnlyFans and Admire Me and all those sorts of websites, it's given women the sort of, and men, the sort of freedom to work on their own brands as well as helping support other people's brands. And it's just really nice that especially the people that I've met all seem to just want the best for each other. And it's very much in the sex industry, no person is the exact same as another person. We've all, we all bring different things to what it is that we do. There isn't another sex worker that I've met that looks like me, acts the way I do and speaks the way I do. So I don't have any competition. So everybody else in the industry is a comrade. They're a fellow worker that I should be there to help build up and support rather than tear down for fear that they might make more money than me or take a job that's mine because we're all completely different and we all offer completely different things. And yeah, as said, social media definitely has helped with that. It's helped with supporting other people come like in the complete opposite side of the world like I've got a lot of friends in Australia and a lot of friends in America who are sex workers and it's just wonderful to be able to support each other on different platforms that unfortunately at the moment are trying their best to take that down but that's just the way of the world fighting against people that are happy apparently I mean so it's interesting too because I was thinking about when this podcast goes live I imagine there'll be some people, for example, I said my dad 
plays these podcasts for my mom in the nursing home. And I was like, probably not all of this one. (laughs) Mostly just because I know that he will then have to hear from some of the older ladies in the nursing home who are never going to change who they are and how they think and stuff like that. And instead of putting himself through having tiny old women yelling at him, just, you know, I'll tell him play until this point and then we'll skip the point where B says labia and move on to. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of um, the old generation just really don't see taking clothes off for money as a viable job. <laughs> but that is a very, that's a very specific scenario. My, my dad with my mom and stuff like that. But I, like I share these on LinkedIn. I'm not going to not share this one just because of what it is that you do for a living. It's important. It's incredibly important. It's important what you were saying before about having your social channels being modified because of what you do for a living. Like that doesn't make it just I mean to me it doesn't make any sense. It completely negates the point of it completely negates the point of the platform. Yep. Now I'm shouting. <laughs> it's totally allowed. Don't worry. I've done a lot of angry shouting about this whole thing. It's just it's it's such a shame that I mean the the very the very obvious comparison is that any other adult service such as alcohol or gambling, for example, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, if you go onto their profiles, a little notification comes up saying, "Are you eighteen or over?" And you can say yes or no. Or if your age on that particular platform is set to 13 to 16, you're blocked from that platform. Why in the world can that same principle not be applied to sex workers? Instead of having a little notification that says, are you 18 or over? Or this is an 18 plus platform that you can't see. We're just being taken down. And unfortunately does seem to correlate a lot with female independence and empowerment which is really really sad i think the important part in order for things to change is to keep having these kinds of conversations because telling a story like yours your story includes so much choice you made so many very deliberate choices i mean my favorite part of this conversation easily was you saying that you spent a year researching cam work before you got into it that's incredible that means that you not only was this a thing you wanted to do but you made sure that you knew 100 percent what you were getting yourself into what was the best way to do it how were you going to get paid for it what were you comfortable with putting out there and then you made all of those choices yourself yes absolutely and that's where the the clear-cut differences between a trafficking victim and a sex worker, someone who is in the sex industry not by choice isn't a sex worker. They have been trafficked. They are a victim. They're a slave. Then they're not a worker because they haven't chosen to do the job. It's not been their choice. So it's very, very there's very clear cut distinction between someone who is a sex traffic victim and a sex worker. And unfortunately, the two seem to be modelled so often that when people who are in a position of power to change things decide that instead of working with sex workers and listening to them 
to hopefully change things and make the system better. Instead, they think, nope, no one could possibly want to do that job. Everyone's been trafficked into it and we're going to shut places like Backpage down, which could easily have been used to help them capture traffickers rather than just pushing them further underground. It just it makes no sense not to involve sex workers when you're discussing this sort of legislation and decriminalisation in the UK is something that we are fighting so heavily for. But unfortunately, even when sex workers have taken evidence into Parliament to be discussed about sex worker rights um, and all the law surrounding it, they're just really just not being listened to whatsoever. It's just, it's maddening, absolutely maddening. I personally don't believe that anyone under their own free will would want to become a dentist. So I think (laughs) what we should do is outlaw dentists. I'm with you. 100% because it's just torture you're just torturing people oh gosh it's so true though it's it's ridiculous to me that again it's me I like to think I'm a moderately sensible person but to think that (laughs) you fully understand the choices another person has made ever is just impossible And as long as choice is involved, I mean, that's part of what we view, we, I shouldn't speak for you, we, as in the general populace, are starting to, well, hopefully more than starting to, talk about when it comes to consent between people. You have to consent to things. Not, I mean, not just sexually, but like you have to, having a choice, being able to vocalize that, that decision, that right to make a decision for yourself, that's so important. And if someone has made a decision to model nude or to be on a cam or to whatever it is, work in in Ann Summers, like any of those choices you make of your own free will, that's your your right to do that. And somebody not being able to comprehend that, I just, I don't know what to do with those people. I, maybe we should send them all to the dentist. Oh, maybe we should. Root canals. Root, root canals for everyone in Parliament. Will they understand? <laughs> At this point, that is probably the thing that makes the most sense. <laughs> Every single government at the minute is just totally fucked up, and I don't understand. So we should definitely just send them all to the dentist. Yeah, I like this. Let's do it. B and I have solved all of the world's problems with the dentist. <laughs> We have, we absolutely have. What's the, oh, what, what's your call? Is it Britt, Britt Baker, the wrestler who's a dentist? Yeah. Oh my God, let's send them all to her. Oh, let's do it. Let's do that. Arm bars and root canals. Let's get t-shirts made that say that. I would buy that. Oh my goodness gracious me, I am so down if you actually want to make t-shirts. Yes. Arm bars and root canals. Yeah. Oh, okay. So something else that I feel like people always um, forget about is that a lot of sex workers are sex workers through um, school. And whereas a lot of people get into sex work because they're trying to put themselves through college, being a sex worker actually allowed me to go to school when I wanted to. So I actually went back to college to um, do a full diploma in sociology, psychology um, and criminology. And the only reason that I was able to go and get that diploma is because I was doing sex work. So I had the freedom and the time and the actual energy to focus in class, which was great. So I always have a little bit of a 
niggle to put that into interviews or conversations because we we aren't all just people that didn't get qualifications at school. Some of us have qualifications and choose to do this job because it's fun and it's good for my mental health and it makes me the most money. Yay. Okay, hang on. How did you decide to go to school to study sociology and criminology and what was the third thing? Psychology. Psychology. Yeah, that's very interesting. But honestly, I think a friend mentioned that she was doing um, her master's in psychology. And I've always been really, really just fascinated with the with criminal psychology, with the psychology of the criminal mind and what makes someone commit crime and all that sort of thing so at some point I will be going to back to university to do a full degree in criminal psychology but I can do that at a later date because right now I am smashing about 17 jobs so let's just stick to one thing at a time (laughs) um but yeah and I just found that in a local college they had just put up a um an opening to come and study social sciences and I went in and said I don't want to do everything smashed into one. I want to do three different things. Can I do that? And they said, sure, if you've got all the time in the world. And I was all like, well, I do. So sign me up. Let's go. So I did. And it was very, so many decisions in my life are quick, make a decision. Do you want to do it or do you not? Okay, let's do it then. Like the, I've just moved house for like the 15th time in my life and getting my new place was such a split decision of do I do it do I not fuck it do it and most of the time it's the best decision ever and I'm glad it worked out that way with school because I'm so glad I went back and got those diplomas because again it really reinforced the idea of discipline and kind of um really brought back my love for learning so that was nice too I love stories about people who go back to school outside of the structure that school is normally assigned to people because I am a firm believer. I was actually just talking to another coworker in the car ride um, home from work the other day that she was saying, if I could go back and change one thing, I would have paid more attention in school because she loves to learn and she loves especially the sciences. And it's like, right. But when you were like, 20 you did not want to do that you didn't want to pay attention in school you wanted to party or do whatever mm-hmm. it was that you were doing you wanted to earn money so that you could leave basically yeah now you have discovered these interests and really honed in on them so now would be the time to do that anyway even if you could go back and tell yourself like get it together it doesn't matter what matters is who you've become now it? and now is the right time Completely, your coworker needs to get their ass back in school and have a good old fun time now that they're in a position where they actually want to sit and learn. Like, school was crap for me. As said, I was, I always did quite well in school, but I just hated being there. Whereas actually having the choice to go back and learn and, and learn subjects that I was genuinely interested in was so, so good for me and my mental health and everything else. It just, I loved being in school. And even though, like when you said that you live with someone who works for NASA, like, dude, oh my God, my bookshelves are covered in books about quantum mechanics and quantum physics. And that's all the stuff that I like learning about. But if that was some, like a book I was forced to read in school, I'd have hated it. So it makes no sense for 
to me, it makes no sense for kids to be forced to do shit they don't want to do. Go and learn about life, and then if you want to go back to school, go back to school at a later date when you're actually wanting to be there and learn. I think we would just be so much more as a society if we allowed people to do that, because when they become passionate about something or they just find an aptitude for it versus like being forced to make decisions about your life that maybe you weren't ready to make. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's very much sort of, I think part of the reason that I have gone from such different job to different job um, is partly because my, um, growing up, I was told that I had to go to school and then from school you go to college, from college you go to university and then from university you get a job. And from the age of around about 13, you need to know what you want your job to be when you're 24. And that to me just made no sense whatsoever. I couldn't decide where I wanted to be the following week. I've, as I said, moved houses so many times. I don't know what I'm doing next year. So why, at the age of 13, I should have to choose a career for myself and then put myself through college and university? That, I, I just don't understand why the system is built up to force kids to choose a career path at such a young age because the majority of people come out the other end of uni having studied, studied something that they've realised they absolutely hate, don't want to work in, and then they're stuck with a degree they can do nothing with, which only leaves them overqualified for jobs that they would have to get to pay the rent. So they can't even get a job second child because they're literally classed as overqualified to do so, so they don't get hired. It makes no sense to me. The system's broken. So is the legal system. Everything needs reform. We need to fix it. I am ready to sit down with whoever else is ready to sit down, a notepad and a pen, and we're going to sort the world out and sort out climate change. And it's midnight here, so I'm clearly just very buzzed. And we're sending all the bad people to the dentist. Yes. We're sending them to Brit Baker, arm bars, and root canals. So one of the things that you mentioned when you were talking about um, modeling is that when you were younger, you didn't have a lot of self-confidence. In retrospect, now granted, you can't speak for everybody, and I would never ask you to do that. But if somebody was feeling like they were lacking in some way in in a type of confidence maybe it's not in their appearance maybe it's that they feel nervous speaking in front of people do you think immersion therapy might be the way to do it because it sounds like that's what modeling was that if you didn't feel like you had a lot of confidence getting in front of a camera is definitely a way to immerse yourself in and force yourself to learn self-confidence earn so I don't even know what the right word is yeah I I have to say that I hadn't realised that that's what I was doing, but forcing myself to go and do something really did help me learn how to love myself more. Um, and a big part, one of the one of the best things that modelling ever did for me was stop me from self harming because I couldn't hide, I couldn't hide any marks anywhere because I was in front of the camera, so I I couldn't hurt myself because I'd then have to explain it to a photographer. So it helped me in so many ways, just thinking, if I go and do this, not only am I stopping myself from being silly, but I'm learning to love my body by getting the images back. And when I'm on the photo shoot, being complimented while I'm there and I'm learning how to hold myself in certain positions that, oh, okay, if I stand up straight, of course I look better because I'm set up straight and I'm not hunched over because I don't want people to look at me. 
so modeling definitely immersion therapy is definitely something i would recommend to people who feel strong enough to do so but i hadn't realized that that's what i was doing until i was well in the middle of it and i was realizing that by forcing myself to go to a photo shoot that i wanted to go to but i didn't feel confident enough to be there by actually turning up and realizing that that photographer really wants to work with me and that person really really liked the images that came out from the last photo shoot i did that i was worthy of being there I was worthy of having that job and I was worthy of being a model and it sort of reinforced my confidence but also just really made me love myself which is really nice so as well as being on the shoot and getting great images back and feeling really good about how I looked on that photo shoot it made me feel good about how I looked all the time because I was learning how to love myself whilst working immersion therapy all the way that's what I say okay B if uh people if people want to learn more about you what's the best way to do that on most platforms i am at it's b ducks i-t-s-b-e-a-d-u-x you can find my not safe for work twitter at i-t-s-h-o-n-e-y-b-e-a that's it's honeybee um and i've got a new website launching at some point this month which is going to be itsbducks.com so if that's launched by the time this goes out check it out if not, it's coming soon. I'm sorry. I'm running late with everything. Forgive me. My life's a mess, as you've just heard. She has so. 39 <laughs> jobs, people. Give her a break. <laughs> Genuinely. Seriously, it's ridiculous. <laughs> people don't see that modeling and photography isn't just showing up to a photo shoot. It's admin. It's editing. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes that is a reason we're all so tired and hungry all the time. You don't have to tell me I have a podcast. Of course. Oh, God, of course. <laughs> of course. Dating a podcaster, I know full well. <laughs> so this has been wonderful. I'm really glad that we did this. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. Thank you so much for tagging me. A thousand thank yous to B for that incredible conversation. Don't forget to check her out on her social media. It's B Ducks is her handle. You can talk to me on social media at the Lady J Says. That's Twitter at the Lady J Slays for Instagram. And you can always email me, especially if you had feelings about how this episode came together. The Lady J Says at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, sign up, register, whatever you have to do to make sure you don't miss any episodes. There are 10 back episodes now so you have to make sure that you're on top of everything because you never know what might come next that's not true I know exactly what's coming next and next week you're going to get to hear college radio J but you got to come back next week to find out what that means until then it's all arm bars and root canals my friends bye